I don't know if you ever thought about what happens when someone actually comes to Christ and how their life has changed. I think one of the miracles of of just being a follower of Jesus Christ is how he transforms our lives. How many of you can just testify to that? You're like, yeah, I mean, I know what happened and how God completely changed my life. And and, and we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and, and, and what is the work of the Holy Spirit? What's the evidence of the, of the Holy Spirit in my life? And I want to kind of just give you just a little illustration this morning. I've got this, um, this bottle of water, and I don't know if you guys can guess what kind of water this is. Would you say it's DeSante? Is it Poland Springs? Is it Voss water? Well, let me give you a hint. We've got this huge body of water about three miles north of here. And um, that, that, it's, 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 it's a beautiful body of water. It, it, it's, it's, we love that body of water, especially in the wintertime which gives us all our snow, right? We, we, we love that water. And in, in this bottle of water is 100% pure Lake Ontario water right here. I brought Lake Ontario water to you. Not, not all of Lake Ontario, but I brought you this. This bottle is completely 100%, and it's clear, Lake Ontario water. And the reason why I want you to see this, I want you to get a picture of what God does in our lives when we come to Christ. And what happens, there's this great transformation that happens when we come and we, we bow before the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we repent of our sins. What God does is, is he fills us with his Holy Spirit. This is the thing that changes us. Christianity isn't about following a bunch of rules. How many know rule keeping does not make you a Christian, right? Any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? It, it, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. We get that, right? It doesn't. And so what, what changes in our heart? What makes someone really, truly a follower of God. It's what God does inside of us. God changes us. He changes our heart. He imparts his Holy Spirit within us. I love this story that Jesus had with this very smart, wise, religious man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus has this encounter with Jesus. He comes to Jesus at night and he just, be, he, he believes Jesus is a wise teacher and he, and he just asks him some questions. And, and Jesus responds to Nicodemus, who's a very good man, a very religious man. And he tells him these really interesting words and it's found for us in John through three. I just want to read, read them to you real quick. And this is, this is their encounter. And Jesus says to him in verse three, of John three, he says, I tell you the truth that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And so this is a very interesting question. He goes, how can a man be, be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. 
And so what Jesus is saying, Nicodemus is it's not through your religion. It's not through your knowledge. It's not about how much you know about God. A lot of people know about God, but has your spirit changed? Are you born again? And he says, you've got to be born of the water and the spirit. Now he's not, when he talks about the water there, he's not talking about natural birth or he's, he's not talking about baptism, but what he's alluding to here is Ezekiel thirty six thirty five, where the prophet Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle through the word of God. This is what God is saying to Ezekiel. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Then you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all impurity. Who is the one that changes us? Who is the one who imparts his spirit in us? It's God. God does this great work and he fills us with his spirit. In fact, the apostle Paul echoes this very point in first Corinthians six, 19 and 20. He says, listen, or do you not know that your body now, when you come to Christ is what it's the temple of the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is now within you whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So now glorify God in your body. And here's the promise. The promise is that the Holy Spirit would come and actually reside within us. When you come to Christ, all of God is now within you. He now resides in you. Your bodies now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says, now live like that. Because when the Holy Spirit resides in us, there's going to be fruit of, an, of a life that's been changed from the Spirit of God within us. And so there should be fruit. And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. What is truly the evidence? What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life? But this is a wonderful transformation that happens. And I want to give you just some passages here of, of, of what happens when this Holy Spirit comes with us, and Paul explains it very well to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the word of God, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, of why Jesus came, that he came to die for sinners, he says to this church in Ephesus, he says, And you believed in him. And when you believed in him, what happens here? He says, when you believed in him, something happened here. You were sealed with who? The Holy Spirit. He says, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, it's a deposit within your life of an inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of, of God's glory, to the praise of his glory. See, what the seal is, the seal of the Holy Spirit authenticates our acceptance by God as true followers. That's how you know that you're a follower of God. The seal of the Holy Spirit authenticates our acceptance by God as true followers of him. So when Jesus was on earth, he shared with his followers this, this important work of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to focus on today. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? And what did Jesus share with his disciples about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what did he share with them about how it would transform their lives? Because this means everything. Because I think what happens is we get caught in this type of cultural Christianity of do's and don'ts. And as long as I go to church and I do right things, then I'm a Christian. 
But that's not the definition of a true follower of Jesus Christ. A true follower of Jesus Christ is one who has been transformed by God's spirit. Jesus says, in order to get to heaven, you must be born again. It's not what you do. It's not whether or not you were baptized as an infant. It's not whether or not you went to Sunday school every day and you got perfect attendance. It's not whether you go to church. It's not whether you say, hey, God, I went to church on, on, on Easter and Christmas. Doesn't that count for something? Survey says, eh. no, it doesn't. And so what Jesus is saying is your heart has to be transformed. That's what makes a difference. And I, remember, I remember when I was a teenager and I first heard the word born again. I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? I remember someone at school when I was in high school came up to me and said, are you born again? I said, what? What are you talking? I had no clue what that meant. And this kid at my school explained what it means to be born again. And what, you know what I said to him? I said, no, but I go to church. And he goes, well, that's not good enough. I mean, he hammered me. He was a great guy, man. <laughs> he was a good friend of me, a friend of mine. He told me the truth. And so I began to wonder, well, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to have God truly transform your spirit? It has nothing to do with church attendance or how religious we may think we are. And so when Jesus was on earth, he shared the importance of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit would do in our lives. And this is what I want to dig into today. And I want to look at John. Uh, I want to look at, at first. I want to look at John 14. And I want to kind of dive into this chapter because um, this is part of Jesus' upper room discourse or his farewell discourse. Um, and this is probably the longest and most extensive teaching we have of Jesus in the word of God. And this was all spoken just before he went to the cross. So very, very important teaching. And much of his teaching here in, in his discourse, in his farewell discourse, has to do with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus's earthly ministry at this point, as he's speaking these words to his disciples, is coming to an end. And he's preparing the disciples for their earthly ministry because he says, I'm not going to be with you. I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you, the Father's going to send you someone to walk with you, to help you, to give you power to be my witnesses in this world. Everybody say amen. And that same power is available for you and I in the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so in this discourse, we will see an incredible amount of teaching given to the teaching of the person of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this, we cannot make it without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are completely dependent on the person of the Holy Spirit if we are going to make it in this life, if we are going to be his disciples, if we're going to have power to be his witnesses, if we're going to travail through the trials that are in, in our lives without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We cannot make it. We need his presence. And so Jesus understood this and wanted to prepare his disciples that they would not be left alone. And so before we jump into this passage of the Holy Spirit, I want to look at these verses in context. And I want to jump right into the beginning of John 14. Many of you know this verse, but let me put this verse in context as he jumps into these teachings about the Holy Spirit. And so recorded for us at the beginning of John 14 are probably some of the most comforting words in all of the New Testament. And Jesus, what he does is he's telling his disciples, he just gets done telling them, listen, I'm going to be leaving and so this obviously made them very anxious. Where are you going? Why are you leaving us? And here are some of the most comforting words that Jesus gives to them. 
I want you to read these for you in the first six verses of John 14. He says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places, many mansions. If it were not so, I would go. Uh, if it were not so, uh, I would have told you that I may go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself where I am. You may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas says, Lord, how do we know where you're going? How do we know the way? And then Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. Now, when we read this passage, we kind of look at it as the exclusivity of Jesus, that Jesus is the only way. There's not many ways to God. And we use this to prove Jesus' divinity. We use this to prove Jesus' truth, that it's only through him, that there's not many ways to God. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ, to prove that there are no other ways to God. As this is true, I want you to understand the context of this verse. Jesus actually speaks this words. Yes, it speaks of his exclusivity, but Jesus actually speaks these words to actually comfort his followers, to actually comfort the disciples that are listening to him. He says, listen, you can trust me and I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back to get you to be with me. And after these comforting words, that Jesus tells them he begins to share with them about this other helper, this other counselor that will come in his place to be with them forever. Jesus is telling them, listen, I may not be with you physically like I am now, but the father will send a helper to come and actually dwell within you. How cool is that? God within us, God comforting us, God giving us wisdom and direction and gifting for our life. How cool is that? None of you think that's cool. I think it's cool. Is that? Think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment. God says, I am not going to leave you as orphans. I want you to grab this. How many have ever just been in a place where you just felt all alone and there was nobody there for you? You just felt like, man, I just feel alone. And I know there's people around you. Have you ever been in a room and you just felt alone? Have you ever, have you ever just been in a room and even though there was a ton of people around you, you just felt like I am all alone. I felt that way at the beginning of this service today. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, have you ever felt that way? Here's the thing I want you to realize. You are never, ever alone. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to understand this relationship that you need to have with the Holy Spirit. This indwelling relationship that you need to keep in touch and, and, and tap with. Because if you don't, you will be lost. And so this is the power that comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. So let's kind of, we're going to traverse through John 14 and John 15 and John 16. But let me give you a couple passages here in John 14, 16 and 17. And this is what he says. He goes, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells within you for he dwells with you and will be in you. What Jesus is alluding to is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon those 120 believers that we read about in Acts chapter two and thus launched the church into the world when God filled the church with, 
with the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on later in in verse 26. He says, but the father sends the advocate as my representative. That is the advocate is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. Going on in in, in chapter 15 of verse 26 of John, he says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify about me. Now I want you to see the description that Jesus is giving here of the spirit. He's calling him an advocate. He's calling him the spirit of truth that he will come from the father and testify about me that all of those in the Trinity glorify each other and uplift each other. John 16, seven says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, this is important that I go away because if I go away, the helper will come. So here's what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit. Look at the different names for the Holy Spirit, a helper, an advocate, or a counselor. Look at that. He's, he calls him a helper, an advocate, or a counselor. The Greek word there is parakletos. Very interesting Greek word there that, that is used for this helper or Advocate. I want to explain to you because it's actually two words that, that, that are very, very interesting. The first part of that word of parakletos is the word para, which means alongside of. And so what are some para words? There's, there's paralegal, right? A paralegal, they come alongside a Lord to help them. Um, what's another para word? How about parachute, right? Parachute. How many of you say a parachute is, a, is very good when you jump out of a plane? How many have ever jumped out of a plane? How many have ever jumped out of a plane without a parachute? That was a really dumb question, right? You would not be here unless that plane was three inches off the ground, right? Um, um, and so the parachute, right? It, it's alongside. It helps you to get to the ground um, safely. Now, for those of you who want to jump out of a plane and, and, and skydive, I think you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I think you are crazy to do that. I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, yeah, that was on my bucket list when I turned 40, and I just did this tandem jump with somebody, and I'm like, there is no, I would be completely passed out as we hit the ground. There's no way I would ever do that. That is even going to the Grand Canyon and looking down 3000 feet. I just, it wasn't good. It's just too scary. My knees buckled. I think I wet myself. Anyway, it was just not a good thing. It was just bad all the way around. So, so here's, here's the word. So you got the word para, which means to come alongside of, but then you have this other word, kletos, which comes from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. It's a very interesting here. So what it literally means is this. It's one who is called alongside of or called to be within a believer of Christ. One who is called to help. And depending on your translation of your Bible, you will see different words used for the Holy Spirit in these verses. But I want you to see the rich meaning here. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, is our counselor our strengthener, our comforter, our helper, our advisor, our advocate, our intercessor, our ally, our friend. That's pretty neat. Those are wonderful characteristics of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And so when Jesus uses the word another, 
He means another of the same kind. What the Holy Spirit will do is continue what Jesus started while he was on earth. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit is available to us each and every day. And I don't want you to miss this because I think this is part of our Christian walk that we can easily miss. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's a whole nother dimension that we can walk through a whole nother room that we can walk into to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day of our lives. I remember when I was traveling back and forth in college, I went to school, lived here in Russia, but, but went to school in, in, in Lakeland, Florida. And so I flew a lot. And I remember one time I flew, I got a chance to get bumped up to first class, never flew first class. I got bumped up. And I always wondered, what is behind the curtain? What goes on behind the curtain? So I got to find out what goes uh, beyond behind the curtain. And let me just say this. It's a different world. I don't care what people say. It's wonderful. In first, you know, people say, well, in first class, if the, if the plane falls out of the sky, everybody in first class dies. I don't care if I'm going to die that way. Let me die going down in first class. That was, it's nice. So I get there and I've got this big, they give me a menu, right? I got a menu and then there's, they get, they said, what would you like to drink right away? And it was just amazing. This whole other world that I never knew existed way back in coach. And for some reason, I always got the back of the plane. I mean, always the back and I get air sickness and I'm got to make sure the bag is in the back of the seat in case things go wrong. I mean, it's just always, it was a nightmare a lot of times. So I'm in the front. This is wonderful. I'm sitting there and we had a quick jump from Rochester to Sarah. It was a three jumper. So we go there to Syracuse to a, to Charlotte and then, and then on to Tampa. And so when I was in, in Syracuse, I'm sitting in my seat and, um, there's someone that walked into first class, Syracuse basketball player. I mean, I'm, I'm like, this, this can't get any better. This guy was like eight foot zillion. He was huge. And he is his, even in first class, his knees. So I'm trying to play it so cool. I know the player. And I'm just, I'm totally struck. I'm like, man, I see this guy on TV. I'm totally struck. Sits next to me. And I'm just like, how you doing? I was like trying to play so cool. I get it. Hey. How you doing? You know, and he does not want to talk to anybody, you know, he's just sitting there. But I was like, first class is the best. And then when I flew back home, I had to go back to coach and it was no fun. And I had somebody that took their shoes off and they had stinky feet. It was just a whole thing. It was just a nightmare. But, but here's the thing I want you to see. I think we miss the point that we never step in to this whole realm that God desires to give us in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think as followers, we miss this whole other side of the Spirit, the comfort, the help, the power, the life of the Spirit that he desires to give to us. And that's what I love about these descriptions of the Holy Spirit. He, he comes alongside of us. He's not behind you criticizing, but he comes along to actually help us, to help us grow and gives us power to live out our lives for Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is just do two quick things. I want to look at two things that the Holy Spirit actually does in our lives. What are these two things that he actually does in our lives that you can say, okay, okay, I can see that that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. How do we know? And let me just give you two quick things of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. First, I want you to see that the Holy Spirit convicts. This is so important. This is such an important work of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus says here in John 16, he says, and when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he says, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And some people say, well, I don't like that. I don't like to be made 
to be made to feel guilty, right? We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be made to feel guilty. We, we want to feel okay about our lives. And we're like, well, that, that's, not, that's not something maybe I like about the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you how important the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. What does this mean to you and I? And how does this look practically in our lives? I want you to understand something here about what Jesus is saying about the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what it is and what it isn't. Listen closely here. Because it's not just feeling guilt and shame. How many of us all felt guilt and shame in our lives? We've done something we, 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 we regret and we think back over our lives and we're like, man, that's, that's wrong and I, I feel guilty and I feel shame about that. Everyone can experience that. It's more than just a feeling of right and wrong. We, we, can, we can even understand what the Bible says about certain things and have a knowledge of these things yet still be far from being convicted about sin. This is, this, is, this is what the Holy Spirit does when he comes into the world, when he convicts us. He convicts us of sin. So what is real conviction of sin? We have to realize that the conviction of sin, the source of that is the Holy Spirit. And so here's the biblical understanding of the word convict. And what it means is this. It means to convince someone of the truth. See, what happens is when we feel guilty about our lives, we feel guilty because most of the times because we got caught. Let's be honest. Because if we really felt guilty about something or we truly felt conviction about that, we would make that right. But what happens is because we don't get caught, it kind of goes in the back of our mind. Ah, I'm not going to worry about it. And all of a sudden it comes out and we get caught and we feel guilty because, because we got caught. A biblical understanding of the word convict means to convince someone of truth. The Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does is acts like a persecuting attorney who uncovers evil and a lie. And so what sin is? Sin is exposed when the truth is revealed. So when the truth of Jesus Christ is revealed and who he is, it exposes my sin that I have fallen short of God's perfection. Every single one of us are in the same boat when it comes to sin. We have all fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he comes and shows us the truth of who Jesus is. Now, how we deal with that truth is how we deal with it. We can either say, Man, I don't care, or we say, wow. I see that that's truth, and that's the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. And so what it does is it causes me to do something. And what it should do in my life is when, I, when the truth is revealed, it leads to our need for a savior. And so what the Holy Spirit will always do, he will always lead us to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit reveals God for who he truly is. When I see his holiness, I then see my filthiness. I recognize my sin and I turn to God for forgiveness. So when the truth of Jesus Christ was revealed to me, and I heard it spoken through the word of God, through the preaching of God's word, conviction set in my heart as a, as a 15-year-old. Now, I didn't like it at first, but I was convicted. I tried to brush it off. I'm a good person. I, do, you know, I, I tried to use all the justifications, all the, all the excuses that I could use, but that truth was still there. And what the Holy Spirit was doing was drawing me to Jesus' side and saying, Barden, your sin is just as filthy as anybody else's. Who is that? Who's speaking that to my heart? Is it, was it the pastor that was on the, on the stage? 
Was it the TV preacher that was preaching them through the TV? Guess who it was? It was the Holy Spirit. Now, I could blame the pastor on the platform, right? I could blame the TV preacher. I could blame the person that I hear on the radio or something. I, I could blame all that. But at the end of the day, it was the Holy Spirit that was convicting me, showing me the truth of who Jesus is and that I needed a Savior. See, conviction is far more than just feeling sorry. True conviction turns to God through repentance. So that's what it does. See, when, when conviction sets in, and I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the truth is revealed. It shows my need for a Savior. And then I say, you know what? I need to repent. And repentance turns me towards God and away from my old life. And so repentance is a 180-degree change from my old life, my old way of thinking. I want you to understand, when the truth is revealed to you, you're, it's, a, it's a change of mind. It's a change of disposition. It's like, God, I need you now. I realize what you've done for me. And that truth is revealed through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, through his conviction in our heart. And I would say to you, I would implore you, that when you hear the calling of God, don't harden your heart. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart, don't harden your heart to that. Listen to the Lord. Because there's a great blessing when we bow our hearts to him and God brings healing and his forgiveness and his grace comes into our heart. And so true conviction must turn to God for help. And so it's the Holy Spirit that leads us to this repentance. But here's the good news. The good news is God doesn't leave us there. God's grace covers us and restores us unto himself. That's the good. It's that he just doesn't leave us in the dust and say, okay, I convicted you. You're a lousy sinner. You're filthy. You're far away from me. And now you got to spend the rest of your life in penance and sorrow and guilty feelings because of all the wrong things you've done in your life. That's not what God does. What God does is he restores us as his children and he brings us onto his side and takes us into this whole other world of a person that's been redeemed and restored and now can be used for his purposes and his glory. And somebody say, amen. That's good stuff. I can't wait till Ruth comes back. I need Ruth. Ruth, come back. I need your amens. I miss you, Ruth. So let me look at the second. Let's look at the second thing here. And I'm going to finish with this is that the Holy Spirit comforts. See, the Holy Spirit does convict, but for a purpose. And here's the purpose. The purpose is to lead us closer to God. Now, if we're going to correctly discipline our children, it's not just to, it's not just to discipline for, for the point of like, hey, you did wrong, and now you're going you're gonna to pay for it. But the purpose of discipline and correction is to create a change in a heart. See, when I, when I, it's, it's, you know, my boys are older now. They're 21 and, and 19. I've got a 16 year old daughter. And when we have talks, they're older now and they know how to like, eh, you know, when you're literally just like, just do it. Cause I told you, and I'm your, I'm your parent and that's it. Right. I don't want to, well, I'm your parent. So it's good enough. Right. When they're younger, but when they get older, they're like, they can argue a lot more skillfully. And the old, I'm your parent thing doesn't work, right? And so many times with, with, if, if there's a disagreement with my boys, I'll sit down and just say, hey guys, 
let's sit down here. Before we start escalating with our voices and before all our testosterone starts flowing and we start puffing out our chest and blah, 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 right, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. And I'll tell you what, when you talk to someone's heart and show them here, here's the reason why it's amazing how God can change a heart. And here's what you did wrong. Here's what needs to be corrected, but there's something deeper. There's something deeper when we, when we are disobedient, when, when, when we don't hear God's voice, when we're stuck in our pride, has God ever just broken you at some point in your life where you just thought, I am so right here and my opinion is so right here and I got to, and I got to, and I got to let people. And, but, but then God says, but you know what? Your heart's not right though. Your heart's not right. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit digs deep into our souls to reveal what's really going on in our heart and our mind. Listen, you can be right and be wrong at the same time. And I think that's what the discussions that I have with my kids, those are the things I want God to dig deeper, to show them their hearts, to show them really what's going on in there. And how many know when we dig around down in there, it ain't pretty, right? And we know that at the bottom it can be pride. And we're going to have to, we, pride will be the thing that you will fight the rest of your life. Pride will be the thing that you will have to die to the rest of your life. And the beautiful thing about the comfort of the Holy Spirit is he just doesn't convict us to leave us in the dust. What he does is he convict us to reveal what's going on in our hearts so that the comfort of God can come in. That's what I love about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is really our source of comfort. He stands alongside us. He will never leave us. How many have ever just recall a time when you felt overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit and there was a peace that you just couldn't explain? That's the presence of God's comforting Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit is always by our side. And this gives us an assurance and a hope. Even though you might be struggling and you might be going through a dark time in your life, there's that presence of the Holy Spirit that says, even though you're going through this difficult, dark time, I am going to be with you forever. That's the promise that God gives to us. And so the Holy Spirit is our constant source of strength in a troubled world. And so here, here's, here's the takeaway. Here's what I want you to see today. As we just close in prayer. When was the last time you ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life. I'm not talking about doing your Bible study and, and, and check. I did my devotion today. Check. Right. Got that done. Spent five minutes in prayer. Check. Got that done. Uh, I, I'm, t I'm, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you fill me. I need your presence. You see, that's not going to come from a check off on your Bible reading. That's not going to come from just getting through something. This comes from being in God's presence and saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to deal with my heart. I want you to come into my life. I need you to fill me today. In fact, Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That's a, that's a continual act of saying, God, I need your continual filling in my life. 
each and every day. When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, fill me? You see, here's where I need the Holy Spirit. Can I be honest with you where I need the Holy Spirit in my life? I need the Holy Spirit in my life when I'm sitting on the side of a basketball game. I don't like the call that the ref made. Because it hasn't been pretty the last week. Right? That, that, that's when I need the reminder of like, hey, 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 hey. What's more important here? I need the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life when someone cuts me off on the highway. Or someone takes too long. Or this, that, and the other. Someone's impatient with me. I need the presence of the Holy Spirit in those moments in my life to grab my heart at those times. And God says, I want to give you that Holy Spirit each and every day in your life. But we have to ask for it. We have to humble ourselves. We have to be willing to say, God, fill me today because I need your presence in my life each and every day. Yes, Bible reading is important. Yes, pray, pray, pray. But here's the thing. Are we really asking God to fill us? Are we asking for his presence? That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. So during your week, when you have to make a comment about something or you have to say something to someone else that may not be pretty, at that moment say, God, may the words that I say be filled with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Because I need your wisdom. I don't want to speak out of turn here. May the words that I speak be filled with your presence. That doesn't mean we shouldn't speak a word, but make sure that when we do speak, it's filled with God's presence, that he's leading us. Listen, when you're making choices in your life, you can go to the Father and say, God, I need your wisdom through the Holy Spirit to make a correct decision, or I need your discernment. When we lack discernment, the Holy Spirit can give us discernment in situations that we may not know what to do. That's the presence of God each and every day in our life. That's my desire for you. That's, that's my desire for my life, too, that I will be sensitive to God's presence each and every day in my life. Amen? Let's do that this week. Each and every day in our lives, when you wake up this week, just say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. I need your presence. And when you're convicting me about sin and the waywardness of my heart, let me be obedient because I know it leads to your comfort and your healing, not just to beat me up, but to lead me to your comfort and your care and restoration. So let's do that today. So would you bow your hearts with me? And let's just pray and ask the Lord just to, just to speak to our hearts today. I'm going to ask Katie just to slip up to the piano. And um, let's just make this a holy moment between us and God. And let the Lord just speak to your heart today. Lord Jesus, as we just bow our hearts before you today, we need you. We need your presence in our life. We can't do it without you, Lord. And I pray for your people here today. Lord, I know for my life, it's so easy just to slip back into the flesh and to allow my needs and my wants and what I want to, to get in the way, Lord. But I pray that, God, you would grab our hearts today and allow us to be filled with your presence and your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would break our pride today. It's so our pride is always it's it's always it's always there, just wanting to creep up. And I pray, God, that through the presence and the convicting power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal the areas of our pride in our life that we need to lay down before you, God. 
let us be sensitive to your prompting. Lord, I even pray that even in our blind spots, the things that we don't see, that Holy Spirit, you would reveal those things. And the purpose of that, God, is you're keeping us from destruction. You're keeping us from making wrong choices because you love us and you care for us and you desire for us to make right choices in you. And you've given us the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. So we're so grateful for that. So help us to be a people that are responsive to your voice. Thank you for breathing upon us. Breathe upon us anew and afresh today, I pray. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone, that you didn't leave us as orphans, but you guide us in all truth. And we're so thankful for that. So as we go in your presence today, God, I just pray that we would continually walk in the presence of your Holy Spirit in our daily lives, wherever we may be. And thank you that we're never alone. So Lord, we invite you into our lives, into our hearts. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.